Boy, sure glad to be back. I'm sure glad to be back. I really am. You know, a vacation's awesome. It's a wonderful time to rest and be with your family. But you know the work the Lord has called you to, and that's the only real joy you, you find is uh, serving the Lord wherever we are, right? Even on vacation, we have opportunities to serve the Lord. It's been, been awesome. Uh, a few things I'd like to mention is uh, you can still sign up for the men's and women's retreat. And uh, the theme of the retreat, both of them are wonderful. And uh, um, for the women, it's my cup overfloweth, taken from the 23rd Psalm. And for the men, it's rise up, O man of God. And these are going to be awesome. It's a time that the Lord is going to give us to set apart from the world and for the women to understand what it means to be women of faith and for the men to understand what it means to be a real man of God. And these are things that... Um, very honestly, are, are lacking uh, often in the world and in the church today. So you can still sign up. It's the last chance. The, the you know, bulletin board's out there. Put your name down. I really encourage you to do that. And also the pastor's conference starts tomorrow. A great lineup of speakers. And even if you haven't signed up, you can. Because they're doing registration at the door. And if you desire to come, let me know, and I'll still get you into the place we're staying with all the special rates that I get tax-free and all that kind of stuff. So just let me know. That's the pastor's conference. And, um, well, let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and we thank you so much for your word, because your word alone is true. Let every man be a liar, but your word is true. And we pray, Heavenly Father, as we break open this portion of Scripture, that it would speak to our hearts and souls, encourage us in all of your ways, and just motivate us and, and encourage us to be the kind of believers that you desire us to be in this world. Because the time is short. It's coming to an end. And we need to be with you, Lord, not only when we are raptured or when we die, but we need to be with you in this life, that we would be your servants and that the power of the Holy Spirit might fall upon us and engulf us in such a way that every word we speak would have the power, your power, Lord, your agape power to really minister to the lost, that they would recognize that there is forgiveness no matter what their sin might be. And now come and speak through me, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, one of the things that I was thinking about this morning as I was uh, preparing is how many parts of the Bible do we kind of take glibly, take lightly, maybe even make excuses for? Because that particular portion of Scripture or that particular book of the Bible, it really shines a light on areas of my life that maybe I don't want to change. And sometimes I even think that we get to a place in our society, and even in the church today, where we think, well, that's not really relevant today. That doesn't really apply today. But here's the thing we have to understand, my brothers and sisters. We're going to be looking at a verse of Scripture in a moment. If we come to a portion of Scripture that we don't agree with, we're calling God a liar. That's a pretty serious offense to look in the face of God and say, you're a liar, I don't believe this. I don't believe this applies to me. I don't believe it applies to our life and to our world today. We need to take God at his word and take his word as the very path and direction for our life. 
And these next few chapters that we're going to be getting into are very repetitious and very graphic, many of them talking about sores and discharges and yellow hairs and you know white hairs and all that kind of thing. But one of the things that we're going to do is Pastor Frank Jr. and I, we're not going to actually read word for word. For instance, I'm covering all of chapter 13, which is 59 verses, I believe. And so I'm not going to be reading every verse of Scripture, but I hope to bring out the intent of it to show you that everything that is written was written for our learning, that through constant endurance you know, of the Scriptures we might have hope. And what is that hope? I'm going to heaven. This might seem like a strange thing, but when we were on vacation, Vi and I uh, were sitting on the front porch facing the ocean, and I saw something out of the corner of my eye, and I caught Vi's attention to it. And I said, look. And I've seen me- meteors and meteorites before. You know, meteorites when it hits the ground. Meteors when you just see it in the sky. But we, we looked and we saw this meteor. And you know how usually they're just a split second? This one was went on for a long time and it looked like fireworks coming from the sky because it had blue and red and green tails and it just went on and then we looked up you know the next day to see if anyone else saw it well it happened to be a meteor that became a meteorite and it landed on a highway in virginia a truck hit it and flipped over it was the size of a picnic table and what i was thinking as i looked at that is man thinks he's in so con- he's so in control we're not god's in control Because when the scripture talks about he's going to rain fire from heaven, you know, in the last days during the tribulation, guess what that means? He's going to rain fire from heaven. When all these nations come against Israel, God's going to intervene. We have to understand that we get so caught up in world situations and in politics that we lose sight of what is important. Jesus Christ is coming back for his church. That's where our focus should be. It says when we see all these things beginning to happen, lift up your head for your redemption draws near. I can assure you God isn't in heaven concerned over the uh, Israeli elections. You know, the Lucid Party and the other part, the Blue and White Party, they have equal number of seats and house the government. God's not up there like, oh, I hope it works out. God's not up there saying, uh, I hope Trump does, does okay in 2020. Here's the thing we have to understand. God's perfect will is always accomplished, no matter whether it's something we agree with or think should be or not. And everything is coming into place. Brothers and sisters, we're living in the last days. And the Word of God encourages us that all the more as we see that day approaching, all the more what? Should we believe and listen and adhere to the Word of God? You know, the reason that the Lord put it on my heart to write that book, Revelation Made Plain and Clear, um, is because I wanted to get out there the fact that Revelation is not a difficult book, especially if you look at it in chronological order, which is the way it was written. It's a book that you can understand, and it really helps you recognize the times in which we're living. And so when we read portions of Scripture like this with all that detail, all the details, you know, Pastor Frank has, uh, Jr. has the next chapter, <clears throat> but my chapter is all about leprosy. Why does God give all this detail? You want to know why? Because he loves us so much and he cares about us so much that he's willing to lay out every detail that's necessary. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, chapter 13 is all about the law concerning leprosy. Sarah 
is the word for leprosy. Sarah is the word that is used for leprosy there. And the thing we have to understand is that word literally means any infectious disease. It was most often applied to leprosy, but any infectious disease. It's kind of like today. We say cancer. And a lot of people just think it's one thing. It's not. You know, it's, it's kind of a general term that we use. And the same thing was used in the Old Testament with leprosy. It just meant any infectious disease, including leprosy, which was prevalent at that time. And um, leprosy is um, one of the illustrations that is used in Scripture for sin. Leprosy is an illusion of sin. And we find this, if you want to turn with me to Matthew chapter 8, first book of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 8, and go to verse 1. Matthew 8, 1 through 3. When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. Whenever Jesus spoke, great multitudes followed him because his words were like fire. And you want to know something, brothers and sisters? His words are still like fire. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord... Now listen to this. If you are willing. But what was the first thing this leper did? He worshipped him. He came to Jesus and he worshipped him. And then a byproduct of that, he said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then the Lord put his hand on him, which is against the law, to touch a leper. But of course, as soon as he touched him, he wasn't a leper. Right? And he touched him saying, I am willing. And Jesus is always willing. He's always willing to touch us, to heal us, and to give us what we need. And he said, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And you know, among Jews and Gentiles for really for hundreds of years, leprosy has been always an illustration of sin. Let me just give you a few examples. Leprosy begins with a spot, often a simple hidden infection. Isn't that the way sin begins? Sometimes some little thing. No one else sees it, just some little spot. Number two. The spot then becomes more visible, not only indicating a serious problem, but also possibly where that spot came from, who we contracted it from. And that's the way sin is. If you let it grow, it becomes more and more visible. Number three, if not dealt with, it would spread over the entire body, affecting the whole body. And, of course, we know if we don't deal with sin, it's not going to just be one little part of our life. It affects our whole life. And if it was uh, allowed to continue, if it was ignored, it would not only contaminate the whole person, but his clothing we're going to find, and his house as well. You know, people might go out to sin, but be guaranteed that when they come home, they bring it home with them. Now, it eventually renders the infected person loathsome to all, even becoming a dangerous society. A danger to society. Isn't that the way sin is? Becomes obvious to all, and that person becomes dangerous to society. Eventually, the person would become alienated from uh, his family and society. Remember, the leopard was cast out. And that's what sin will do, even for people. How many families have been broken up and broken apart because of sin? And it would finally come to a place where the leper, he would have to declare himself unclean. Unclean, unclean, we're going to read about in just a moment. 
moment. Why? Because sin is contagious. Sin is contagious. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33 says, it says, do not be deceived. You know what it means not to be deceived? We read that word all the time. It means it's sneaky. Like, we think, be not deceived. Well, why would I be deceived? Well, the reason the word deceived is used is because it can be stealthful. It can be sneaky. It just kind of works its way in there. And it says, be not deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. You hang around with evil people, you're going to have your good habits corrupted. You know, one of the things that we need to understand as Christians We need to be among sinners. But our purpose of being among sinners is to be a light. Our purpose to be among sinners is not to become part of the group, part of the in crowd. Our purpose is that we would be a light, that we would be an antibody that would come in the midst of sin and to show them that there is a cure, there is a way out. So we're picking up with Leviticus chapter 13. I'm going to read just 1 through 3. I'm not going to read all the verses, obviously. But in verses 1 through 3, it says, And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When a man has on his skin or his body, and these are the things we read through this whole chapter, a swelling, uh, a swelling, a scab, or a bright spot. Those three things are the theme of leprosy all through this portion of Scripture. And it becomes on the skin of his body like a leprous sore. Now, If you look in your Bible, leprous probably has a star by it because it's an added word. The word that is used there is the one I mentioned earlier, which simply means an infectious disease. Then he he shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of the sons, his sons, the priest. And the priest shall examine the sore on the skin of the body. And if the hair on the sore has turned white and the sore appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a leprous sore. Now, leprosy, which is known today as Hansen's disease, HD, is a long-term infection. And it is caused by the bacteria, Bacteria Mycobacterium uh, lepra. And that is the organism that causes leprosy. And it's still around today. And uh, Mycobacterium lepra is coming into our country again. I don't know if you've been reading any of the articles about it. And when the person is initially infected, think about this. When the person is initially infected with leprosy, he usually won't show the symptoms from five until five to 20 years later. So it's not like you get leprosy and all of a sudden, there it is. The symptoms are <laughs> very uh, <clears throat> long in the incubation period before they appear out. And the, if the infection of leprosy can lead to um, damages on the nerves, respiratory tract, skin, and eyes. And um, we have to understand this nerve damage that it causes is what results in some of the disfiguration because what it does is it takes away the feeling or the sensation of pain. And a person can have an infection or an injury and they don't know it. And, uh, but the disease itself can also be corrosive and very disfiguring to the person that has it. Now, the uh, infection or the infected person may also experience weakness and also poor eyesight. And the, th- the thing we have to understand is that doesn't sin do that to us as well? It weakens us in the faith. 
And we have poor eyesight because we don't really see what we're doing. We don't really understand the, the seriousness of what we're involved in. Now, the treatment, of course, depends on the type of leprosy that the person has. And uh, they use antibiotics, and usually they're used for a long period of time, anywhere from six months to a year. And if the person has more severe leprosy, it can be used for several years. The antibiotic treatment has to be continuous. And um, leprosy is not easily contracted. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, I walked by someone and I got leprosy. Leprosy is contracted by having continuous exposure to an infected person. Doesn't that sound like sin? You're around a sinner one or two times. It doesn't mean you're going to contract their disease of sin. It doesn't mean you're going to fall into their ways of living. But continuous exposure, that's what it leads to. And in a similar way, we have to understand that besetting sin that you and I might be dealing with. When we talk about besetting sin, the reason we say that, it's a sin we continue to struggle with. You know, all of us can give testimony of how when we got saved, we got to a place where we never smoked cigarettes again, where we never drank alcohol again, where we had really continuous victory over this or continuous victory over that, where it's not even, it doesn't even seem to be a struggle any longer. But all of us also have sin in our life that's besetting sin that we will struggle with until the day we're with the Lord. But the fact is, we have not struggled with our sin unto the shedding of blood. And the point that I'm getting at is we need to struggle with sin. We can't just, uh, you know, say, well, you know, I've got this sin. It's just the way I am. No, you struggle with it. You fight against it. Fight the good fight. This is what we need to do. And it's interesting what we read in Psalm chapter 1. You might want to turn there. This is the middle of your Bible. I'm going to read a psalm, and I'm going to read a proverb, and it's related to what we're talking about today. Psalm chapter 1. And so if you open up the Psalms, it's chapter 1. That was a joke. Psalm chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 1 and 2. I heard a message on, this, on these two verses one time. It was so powerful. Anyway, Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Blessed is the man, now listen what it says, who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. You see, there's a progression here. First, you're willing to walk with a sinner. Then you're willing to stand and listen to what the sinner has to say. And the next thing you know, you're sitting right down in the same sin as that person. That's why verse 2 says, but his delight, rather than doing those things, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. When it means, what it means to meditate on something is to just think about it. When you're reading a portion of scripture, think about it. What is it saying? What's God trying to say to me? Now move over to Proverbs 4 and pick up with verse 14. Proverbs 4 and picking up with Verse 14. <clears throat> and it says in Proverbs uh, 4, starting with verse 14, Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it uh, and, uh, and, and pass on. For they do not sleep. Listen to this. They do not sleep unless they have done evil. 
and their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. Now, how often, maybe some of us might remember this as teens, where you had someone, not necessarily for Christian reasons or religious reasons, but you had someone who didn't commit this or that sin that you were involved in, and then finally you talked them into it, and you just felt, wow, I've had some victory here. You know, isn't this cool? Now, he's here, you know, or she's, they're, they're doing the same thing that we're doing now. Isn't that awesome? That's what that's talking about here in verse 16. Verse 17 for they eat the bread of wickedness and they drink the wine of violence. Now, but the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. You see, one of the things we find out is that when someone is contaminated with sin, when someone is contaminated with leprosy in our account here, it was only the high priest or his sons that could declare them either clean or unclean. Now, if a person was considered by the priest to be healing, in other words, to be getting better, you know what they had to do? They had to wait seven days and go back and be examined again to make sure they were healed. And so the time period was a chance for them either to demonstrate that they were continuing to heal or that maybe it was just a, just a fluke, just a lapse. And so we have to understand that oftentimes the Lord gives us conviction and then in time he brings that same conviction back. Because how many times do we say, I'll never do that again. And then the right temptation and the right situation comes and we find ourselves right into it. I can remember when I was, um, you know, wanted, wanted to give up smoking. I used to smoke two packs of Bel Air Longs. Some of you might not even know what those are, but I used to smoke two packs of Bel Air Longs a day. And uh, this is many, many, many years ago. And I used to tell people, it's easy to quit smoking. I, I quit every Monday. And the point was... I'm, on, I'm not going to smoke anymore. And I would quit. And, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, well, maybe I'll just have one. And you're right back into it again. But then you finally come to a place where you have the full victory. I mean, I, I don't even know how many years it's been since I smoked a cigarette. A long, long time. And um, it's, it's not even, I don't even think about it. In fact, when I'm around someone who's smoking cigarettes, which you don't have happen in, you know, much anymore, I, I despise the smell of it. And, uh, you know, anyway. And then um, in 1 John, if you want to turn to that, in relationship to being cleansed by the Lord, 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10, and, and uh, in this is one of my favorite verses you hear me quoting all the time. But this is where we get the concept that if we don't agree with what the Word of God says, we're calling God a liar, okay? In 1 John chapter um, 1, go to verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Guess what? We're all sinners. When people say to me, well, I'm sure they're going to heaven. They weren't a Christian, but they were always a good person. No, they weren't. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Man's goodness is just like filthy rags before God. 
Scripture tells us. Do you understand that man can put on a, a, an imitation of goodness, but how is his heart really? All have sinned. All. That means everyone and falls short of the glory of God. Verse 9. If we confess our sins, this is the hope we have. If we confess our sins, he, not anyone else, he, Jesus Christ, not your spouse, not your friends, they might not forgive you. But he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How much unrighteousness does he cleanse us from? There's nothing that he can't cleanse us from. Verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. And so when you read a portion of scripture and the portion of scripture indicates this is sin, but it's something that you wanted to embrace and, and you know, uh, accept in your life, you're saying to God, I don't believe you, you're a liar. Because you're saying this is sin and to me it's not. Let God be true and every man a liar. Now, we're in chapter 13. Go to verse 12. And if the leprosy breaks out all over the skin, and the leprosy covers all the skin of the one who has a sore from his head to his foot, wherever the priest looks, then the priest shall consider, and indeed, if the leprosy has covered all his body, he shall, he shall pronounce him clean. What? what? Wait a minute. He shall pronounce him clean? Did that surprise you when you were reading it? Who has the sore? Listen, it has all turned white. He is clean. So why is it as we read this portion of Scripture, it seems that someone who just has one sore is considered unclean by the priest and by Aaron and is separated from everyone. And you have someone else is telling us here, who's covered from head to foot with sores, but he's considered clean. Why? Because the one who has that initial sore, his leprosy is just beginning. It's just starting to infect his whole body. Where the other person, because it talks about the fact that it's turned white, he's healing. So his leprosy, his infectious leprosy is over with. He's healing. It's just time for all the you know, the skin condition to be removed. And one of the things that that should show us is that we have to be so careful of not to be judgmental. We are judgmental. We're very judgmental. And, uh, and, and the thing is, we're judgmental selectively. I don't do that, so I really think that's bad. Well, I, I kind of have a little weakness in this area, so I can understand why this is just not that big a deal. We can't be selective. Leprosy is leprosy. And so I think a great illustration that this brings out is you can look at someone and say, oh, what a lousy sinner they are, and just have such an ugly attitude towards them, and that person's healing. And in the Christian sense, that person's been born again, and their life is just getting turned around. I was saved. I was a born-again Christian, and I still drank, and I still smoked, and I still swore. But guess what? God wouldn't let go of me until he brought me to a place where I was willing 
And, and I knew they were, confessed those things as sin to the point of, of being willing to completely turn from them. You know, to repent means to turn around. It means to make a complete 180. That's what the word repent means. So if we're going to repent, we, we turn around. Now, <clears throat> and this is why you and I need to be so careful. Because God has called us to love, not to judge. There's one judge, and guess what? It's not you, and it's not me. He's called us to love. And so often we, I just can't stand that person because of this or that, or I can't stand that person because of this or that. And you want to say to them, are you so perfect? Are you Jesus? Even Jesus didn't do that. Jesus had compassion on sinners. He called the sinners to himself. And when they came to him, he, like, think about the woman caught in the very act of adultery. What that meant was she was literally committing adultery at the time she was caught. She was brought to Jesus and thrown down in front of him. She would have been unclothed. That would have been the standard of that day. She was thrown down in front of Jesus, and the priest basically said to him, what are you going to do? This woman was caught in the very act of adultery, and the law says she's supposed to be stoned to death. She's supposed to die. And Jesus didn't say, oh, you rotten harlot, give me a first stone. What did Jesus say? Well, we don't know exactly what he wrote in the sand. We have no idea. But some people say it might have been names of girlfriends <laughs> or that it might have been different sins that these people committed. We don't know what he drew in the sand. But the point is that they all left from the oldest to the youngest. And the only one that was left was Jesus and the woman. And that discourse is the most beautiful example of God's love and compassion. Because he said to the woman, where are your, your accusers? And she looked around and she said, there are none, sir. And Jesus said, neither do I accuse you. But go and sin no more. I'm going to give you the power of the Holy Spirit. Go and sin no more. And that's what Jesus says to us even when we're caught in the very act of sin. Neither do I accuse you. I forgive you, but go and sin no more. Now, in verses 32 through 34, And on the seventh day the priest shall examine the sore, and indeed, if the scale has not spread, and there is no yellow hair in it, and the scale does not appear deeper than the skin, he shall shave himself... But the scale he shall not shave, and the priest shall isolate the one who has the scale another seven days. On the seventh day, the priest shall examine the scale, and indeed, if the scale has not spread over the skin and does not appear deeper than the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. So what it's showing us here, in some cases where a person seemed to have been, it looks like they're healing, the priest would have them shave. They not only shaved their head and their beard, they shaved their whole body. And then they would wait seven days and come before the priest. And so the priest could examine their whole body from head to toe. It's like going to the dermatologist. You know, the priest would examine their whole body. Why? To make sure there's no hidden sin or no hidden infection. To make sure the person was fully clean. And you and I, brothers and sisters, and I don't mean this in any kind of disrespect, dis, dis, disrespectful way 
but just in the sense of, of reality. We all stand before God naked. We're not hiding anything from God. He sees our heart. He knows our minds. We stand before God naked, and we say, Lord, if there be any wicked way in me, show me that I might be healed. We also find in verses 47 through 59 um, that this disease, leprosy, infected not only bodies but also clothes and even the whole house. And the point is that a person might go out to sin. Well, I go here and here, and that's where I commit my sin. I have my secret sin here, and I have my secret sin there. They might go out to sin, but I guarantee you their sin comes back into the house because that person goes out and is defiled. And when they come home, that defilement's in their heart, and whether they want to believe it or not, it's going to start having an, an effect on their home and on their house and on their clothing, their flesh. And it's interesting because as you, if you read this whole chapter, and it's worth reading, but it shows the detail that God goes into out of his love for us. He wants to make everything known to us. That you can actually have even the walls of the house become infected. In Jude, chapter 22 through 23, there's only one chapter. It says, And on some have compassion, making a distinction, but others save with fear. In other words, when we lead them to Christ, do it with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments defiled by the flesh. Brothers and sisters, we have to come to a place where we don't just make light of sin. I'm convicted all the time. <laughs> and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not pointing fingers at anyone. You know the whole saying, you point one finger at someone, you have three more pointing back at you. How many movies do we watch that are vile? The whole object of the movie is violence and sin. And we see nothing wrong with it. I'm just as guilty as anyone else. You know, I love the whole Marvel series and all that kind of, you know, and, and uh, all those kind of movies and stuff like that. But I'm just being honest. I mean, we're supposed to hate even the garment stained by sin. Well, we also find in verses 47 uh, through 49 that this disease, leprosy, infected the bodies, the clothes, and the house. And the same way, we have to understand that we need to cleanse our houses, maybe. Now, understand, I'm not trying to get into some kind of a legalistic mode. I was there enough years where, you know, I'm determining who was doing what they should or shouldn't. There's only one who can determine what we should be doing and not doing, and that's the Holy Spirit. He's the only one. But I'm just getting to the point... What should we be doing? I mean, isn't he worthy to spend time with, to meditate on his word? Doesn't he promise us that if we ask anything according to his will and prayer, we have it? Shouldn't prayer be some part of our life, some part of it? I mean, and I'm not denying anyone's faith or Christianity, but how many of us, if we're honest and examined our lives would look at areas and say I don't know if I could really justify that before the Lord I think I'm making excuses for it 
verses 45 and 46. Now the leper on who the sore is, his clothes shall be torn and his head bare, and he shall cover his mustache. What that means is when it says cover his mustache, he doesn't walk around like this. They would take their robe and cover their mustache so that even their, their breath and, and you know, nothing would be exposed. Cover their mustache and cry, unclean, unclean, and he shall be unclean all the days uh, all the days he has the sore, he shall be unclean. He is unclean, and he shall dwell alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. How many people that have been contaminated with the leprosy of sin find themselves isolated from family and friends, living outside the camp? And they're not happy. They're not. They're miserable. And the reality is, they just had to hope that they would have a healing process take place. But for you and I, as Christians, we don't have to hope. We don't have to wait. We need to run to Jesus. We sing that song, run to Jesus. We need to run to Jesus and say, Jesus, forgive me my sin. Leprosy is breaking out on me. Forgive me, Jesus. Cleanse me. Make me pure. Make me whole. Make me be able to dwell in the house of the righteous all the days of my life. You know, you think about how many, you know, people have been contaminated by make-believe Christians or how many people have been contaminated by backsliding or by um, Christians who are unwilling to stand in the Word of God. How sad is that? Where you have someone who maybe is convicted of a particular sin and you have a Christian say, oh, it's not that big a deal. Wow. They're saying, God's word says that's sin, but what I'm telling you is you don't have to worry about God's word because he's a liar. Wow. So you read portions of scripture like this, and you think, what's in there? (laughs) There's a lot. There's a lot. Because understand, even as a believer, a spot of leprosy can appear on you. But you don't have to run around saying unclean. You don't have to go outside the camp. You need to, like the song we sang, you need to run to Jesus. And anyone who's eliminated from that, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, not only initially, but saved from any problems, any disease that we have. I think it's time, brothers and sisters, for believers to stand up and to stand on the word of God. We are living in perilous times. I don't want to blend in with the world. I want to be a light to the world. Isn't that what God commanded us to do? We're not to hide under a bushel basket. We're to be a light on a hill to men. But once again, and I can't emphasize this enough, God's message is spread by love not condemnation. And so if you're walking around, man, you filthy sinner, you filthy sinner, you shouldn't be doing that. You know what? God's not going to use you to do anything because you need some help yourself. But if you're willing to say, you know what, brothers? You know what, sisters? You can have victory. This area doesn't have to pull you down. Call on Jesus' name. Call on Jesus' name. And people who aren't saved, 
you know, think about Jesus. Think about the fact that there is someone who can change your life and give you hope. Because here's the one thing that we know. This is a proven statistic that's 100% proof, okay? Barn your rapture anyway. You're going to die. You are going to die. 100% statistic. But what happens after death is appointed unto every man once to die and then judgment. How wonderful to know what the judge has determined even before you go before him. And we go before him after we die and we hear him say, innocent, by the blood of the lamb, innocent, washed clean. We need, we need, brothers and sisters, to set aside all of our leprous clothes, to get out of all of our leprous habits, and walk in the light of Jesus Christ. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, purifies us from all sin. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and we thank you for this portion of Scripture and, and, and really the deep message that's found in it. And I pray that you would use it to encourage us, to help us draw closer to you. But, Lord, you would use it to make us evangelists, that we, we would be more willing to share the truth and to share our faith. We ask all this in Christ Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And God bless you, my dear friends, and it's great to be back.